Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the writer and director for the film Close, Luc Gaston. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with Lucas Don't, the director and writer of the new film, Close. Lucas, how are you and where are you these days? Hi, everyone. I'm very happy to be on this podcast. Um, I'm a little bit everywhere all (laughs) at once. Um, I (laughs) everything also. Um, We were in Iceland and now I'm in New York presenting our film doing some screenings and then we're going to Toronto afterwards. Fantastic. Close has had a a wonderful life on the festival circuit. I was lucky enough to see it at a new fest, the New York LGBTQ uh, festival. And I tell you, it hit me on a very deep personal level of this story. I think for a lot of people, it sends us back in time in our minds, thinking back to when we were kids and our own friendships that we had at that time. So I have to ask, you know, when you were the age of these young boys in the film, did you feel this kind of pressure that they feel um, societally about some of your friendships? Yes, most definitely. I I think I started at the same age as the characters. I started to fear intimacy. I started to take more distance from my male friends because I understood that in this society, 
that language of tenderness and of emotional connection so often is one that we don't link to masculinity. And so, yes, I was someone who pushed away and who was pushed away. And I think that many people will recognize themselves in that uh, as human beings going through friendships in life. I think so often we feel heartbreak connected to friendship. It's it's a lot of the, the times a feeling expressed when we talk about romantic relationships. It's not always expressed when we talk about friendships. But yeah, I, I, I think we live in this society where young men growing up understand that there's certain things valued like independence, being more distant with the emotions, being competitive, and and that we don't always value their or listen to are their deep desire for emotional connection. And we end up actually creating this epidemic of loneliness because of it. Um, And I really wanted to speak about that. First of all, I wanted to show a friendship that I think we so rarely see on screen. One that is intimate, sensual, feels like a love story because that is what that friendship at that age feels like, a love story. Um, but then also show what happens when we, when all these yeah pressures and societal expectations arrive, and I mean I guess when brutality enters the frame. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned brutality in one of the uh, sort of markers of childhood and growing up in the film is the lead Leo joining a hockey team, which is a pretty brutal sport, constantly getting slammed into the boards and falling down on the ice. I thought that was very interesting choice because the uniform is so much like armor and you're a part of this team, but in this much gear and in this helmet that you have to wear, it also feels isolating. Was that a very purposeful choice in choosing that as the sport that he would um, go into, that he would be attracted to? Yes, I think the costume came first. I think when we thought of that ice hockey costume, that is really one where you disappear in, you know, you... It's it's it it's this suit that with this mask and there's this rail even in front of the face. We really saw the possibility through a visual to express someone who wants to disappear in a group, someone who wants to put on that armor like those other boys. Um, this was something that really intrigued me, like as a as as an image that that you know that very fragile childhood face in that mask of the the ice hockey costume but also I think it in a film in which one of the themes is also a feeling of of guilt and grief we felt like the idea of having a character with an armor on through which nothing can enter and nothing can exit anymore and this person all of a sudden has to keep everything inside of that costume and can't express it anymore. I feel mm-hmm. like it was a, a beautiful cinematic representation of that feeling. And, um, and I think then also, of course, next to that, the sport that comes with it, the movement, the choreography, but also very much linked to that 
brutality, you know, the ice, the sounds of the ice, the ice ring. It's all very much in contrast with, for example, the flowers of these film of this film, like the nature, the beauty of color, the fragility. And I think that when we started to write, it became clear to us that the dramaturgy of this film would be a part, on the one hand, of, of fragility and one of brutality, and that the brutality would slowly come in and corrupt the fragile language of the beginning. Yeah, that that fragility and brutality, it felt in a lot of ways, you titled this film, at least in English, close. But the story of it in many ways is about, you know, Leo pushing away his best friend. And it it did feel like the film, the style of it, however you went about filming it, it manages to do this as well. It sort of like pulls the audience in close while at the same time pushing them away. And I'm curious, how did you be able to find that balance as a director where you have this brutality and the sort of push against the audience without alienating them completely? I think it's about finding a sort of, uh, uh, yeah, I would say finding a choreography uh, of movements, not only between the characters, but also movement between us and the characters as an audience member, trying to be able to convey emotions, so often very linked to implosions, because I think this is very much a film about things that happen on the inside, you know, the bruises on the inside rather than on the outside. So on the one hand, you want to be close to expression and faces because they are the way to exteriorize that idea of implosion. But on the other hand, you want to find the right distance when it comes to emotion and speaking of these very big emotions linked to life, like there's life and death. So it's like the big themes of life, but how do you how do you speak of them in a in a way that feels engaging, but at the same time restrained and feels like the right balance between between feeling and uh, and looking. Uh, and so I think when we write, um, we try to balance those things. We try to find the melody and try to play with the volumes. I feel like in the second half of this film cutting from very emotional scenes to this desire of the character to continue in this very physical arena and to go and to try to continue represents very much what we all do in life. Like sometimes we feel a wound, but we continue. Like we we try to go through life and so often bury that wound inside of us, but then it will always resurface somehow. And I felt like that was finding that expression, which is also so very much about stagnation and movement and the contrast between them, was for me um, a representation of grief. Yeah, I, I, I even now like thinking back on the film and it's been a, a little while since I've seen it, there is that, like you were saying, there is this constant grief un- that is sort of is underneath everything in, in that second half. And Eden Dambrain, <laughs> the face, how he is able to, like you were saying, give, let everything that is inside out in very controlled amounts is kind of 
incredible. Can you talk about how how you found him because this is his film debut and how you went about directing him and the rest of the children to get these such emotionally rich performances out of such young performers. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Well, when I cast young people, I always am very involved myself from the beginning. So together with the our casting director, who then also ended up to be our child coach on set, we went to all the schools in Brussels, around Brussels, um, in Antwerp, in Ghent, and we invited all the uh, human beings from that age category that wanted to do a casting. And also we went looking for um, people that did spark, you know, that we felt like could be close for the characters. That ended us with like 580 boys that we saw over the course of a summer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, I could have made a lot of films because there was a lot of talent and a lot of good energy. But then, you know, sometimes life has strange ways because I was taking a train from Antwerp to Ghent and I was listening to music and I look next to me and I see this young angel talking to his friends and I was completely mesmerized by his expression, by his eyes. I felt like there was already a world hiding behind them. And I thought I'm going to regret if I don't ask this this boy to do a casting so I ended up speaking to him and asking if he was interested in cinema his mother read the script and decided he could come to our castings and from the very first moment that he arrived he just he surprised us constantly and what was especially uh, so interesting about him is that he came in one of the groups that Gustav came in by coincidence, and they had this immediate oh, Gustav from Girl. No, Gustav. Oh, Gustav from this movie. movie. Yes. yes. Ah. And they had this instant, like they had this instant chemistry. Like it was possible. It was clear from the beginning that this horizontal collaboration between them would be absolutely possible. And I feel like in a film that is so much about the connection between two young young human beings, we also needed to find two actors for whom that connection would come organically. Um, and I think they really very much helped each other also in arriving at those performances that they arrive at. Of course, we worked with them for over the course of six months in order to build comfort, confidence and intimacy. 
and and slowly getting to that point where they were ready to 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 film this uh but they are two young incredible incredibly intelligent human beings it definitely comes through in their performances they feel you know what the phrase is wise beyond their years that that's very much what these performances feel like and to have gotten such such depth out of them did you spend time talking with them about this relationship and if they had ever felt that way in their own life or was this just like look at the script and talk about what is in the script with these with these characters how did they did they come at this with you yeah they read the script um before the last phase of casting because i didn't want it to be only about us choosing them but for me it was also important that they chose us that there was this resonance with what was what was on the pages and we talked First of all, about friendship, because that is the very essential relationships in their lives right now. They have been feeling heartbreak because of friendship. Also, they know that feeling. And then, of course, we also talked about masculinity and and, and the pressures of that. They are two young men growing up right now, so they do know what that's like. They do encounter those pressures. They do feel them. I think what is so special about that age, that brink between childhood and puberty, is that when we hit puberty, life tells us to become performers also somehow. Like we understand the codes of groups and popularity, and so we want to belong. But as they were not there yet, they were still so very much connected to the heart. And like everything came really also from what there was this sort of openness and authenticness to the way that they reflected on what was on the page that was incredibly beautiful and inspiring but yes i we talked a lot about about the teams and about the characters and bit by bit they built the confidence that they really know knew what this film was about and then that it was actually also quite close to them it's really beautiful to hear time is almost up but i wanted to ask before we go there i think there is a sense amongst a lot of people that today's children and teens have so many um more options open to them in terms of how to express themselves than maybe we did when when we were children and they're freer to express themselves and in a society that is more accepting but we still hear countless stories of school bullying of young people like remy committing suicide do you think that we really have made such big strides forward that these children can feel comfortable or do you think we're kind of kidding ourselves and children are just can be naturally cruel especially in puberty and we still have to prepare kids for how to deal with that well i think we have this also through social media and through having this window on the world i feel like there's there's the possibility of diversity and the possibility of identity that is presented to young people from very early on, which is something incredibly hopeful and rich. And I, I sense that around me when I when I talk to young people and when I see young people. Then on the other hand, I'm also confronted with a world where, I mean, first of all, there is so much brutality, just, I mean, already that. 
but also where there is anti-LGBT propaganda, where you you feel like when I look at the states in some schools, teachers have to be informed about the sex. I mean, parents have to be informed about the sexualities of some of the kids. Uh, when I look at uh, schools in Brussels and a survey that they did recently on how safe people feel with another sexuality and those numbers are really not good. I think we we still live in a world where we fear femininity or we, we or there is so much homophobia. And so, I mean, I think it's also about keeping and being aware about that. Yes, being hopeful and optimistic for this young generation, but also realizing that there is that violence and brutality that that keeps being there. And it's about talking about that. It's about it's about carrying that weight together, I think. Mm, that's really great way to put it. And a great note to end this on. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing this film with us and um, best of luck to you on your next project. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank everyone on the other team that I can't see on camera right now. Um, it's fantastic talking with you. They're hiding. They're hiding. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dan Bear's interview with the writer and director for the film Close, Lucas Stone, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Close is now playing in theaters from A24 and is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best International Feature Film. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.